Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Hey everyone, well welcome to part 15 of Flourishing in Isolation. We're still here and I don't know about you but I'm still loving this exploration of these four letters written by the Apostle Paul while under house arrest. There's so much richness in these books and if, you've, if you're new here, if this is your first time watching, I would encourage you to go back and catch up on where we've got to so far. There's a load of episodes you can look at up to this point now but we'd love to uh, keep going with this question of what can we learn as we flourish in isolation? What can we learn from these ancient books, these ancient texts, so this season can be fully valuable to each one of us at this time? Last week we finished off the book of Philippians and we asked that question again, how do we flourish? We realised that our attitude is more important than our achievements. I don't know what you thought about that as you reflected, but our attitude is more important than our achievements. We can do lots of stuff, but our attitude towards it is more important. And we talked about three things, about fixing your mind on what is ahead, on what is excellent, what is trustworthy, fixing your mind. We talked about being content in all situations, in all circumstances, in all things, through Christ who strengthens me, in those things we are going to be content. And thirdly, we talked about being generous, being generous with people, regardless of the reward we give anyway. That's our choice as followers of Christ. Well, I hope we're going to get some more out today. We start a new book. We're going to get your Bibles open, encourage you if you've got a Bible to open it now. We're going to get started for this session. And it's a new book, new week, new book. And we're looking at the book of Colossians. So there are four uh, letters that they think Paul wrote while he's under house arrest. The first one was Ephesians, uh, which we did a few weeks ago, then Philippians. And now we're going to look at Colossians and then we're going to finish with Philemon. So to give it a context, uh, Colossians come, was a letter being written to the church in Colossae. Colossae was about 100 miles east of Ephesus in modern day Turkey. And uh, Paul himself, who wrote this letter uh, with his colleague Timothy, never visited Colossae. He only ever heard of it and he had friends who visited there and he was a supporter. It was founded by a man called Epaphrase and Epaphrase was one of Paul's converts on his uh, missionary journeys and eventually this guy Epaphrase became the bishop, the first bishop of Colossae. It seems like a habit with all of Paul's colleagues becoming various bishops of these churches as they began in those early days. And when Paul received a visitor in his situation in Rome, he was under house arrest when he was writing these letters. He had a visitor called Epaphrodites. And Epaphrodites, who we talked about in Philippians, came to see Paul and was really concerned about the church in Colossae. He came, he said, there's some false teaching going on. There is some confusion. There is some heresy. They're getting confused between different religions, different ways of working. And some of the things they believe when the church was began, they've started to drift away from the truth. And these various different religions are bringing confusion and it's devaluing the role of Jesus Christ as the ultimate authority in matters of faith. And so Paul wrote this letter, the book of Colossians, to refute this, to say, actually, you know, we should redirect your gaze um, onto Jesus. This new church in an emerging culture needs to remember the main thing is the main thing is Jesus Christ himself. And we'll discover that as we go through Colossians. I am confident that there is going to be so much that we can learn today through this book that was written many, many years ago. The same words 
will speak to us and come alive, I'm sure. So we start Colossians 1. We're going to try and uh, complete the whole chapter today. So get yourself ready. And here we go. Verse 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. Verse 3, we always pray for you and we give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. Paul is writing to the church in Colossae and he starts by saying, I've heard about your faith. I've heard about your love for Jesus. I've heard about your love for all of God's people. And it comes from this confident hope of what is ahead of you. What a lovely statement to say about someone. I've heard about your faith in Jesus. I've heard about your love for other people. And I'm impressed by this confident hope you have in all that is ahead. You see, what Paul is saying there is you've got incredible faith in the way that you lean into God. Faith is trusting in God, leaning into him, knowing that you can have absolute trust, absolute confidence in his power, in his wisdom, in his love. Faith is real when we lean into God. Faith is just a concept until you put it into action. And when we lean into God and we, and we take the weight off ourselves, we're saying, I'm trusting you, God, with my future. If you've ever been sailing and you try and sail, you know there's that moment. I used to sail small dinghies called toppers. And uh, there was this moment you have to lean back into, uh, into the wind. And you trust you're not going to fall out of the boat. Everything in you thinks, if I lean out of the boat, I'll fall into the water. But you soon learn that the wind will then blow against the sail. And you'll pull on the sail. And instead of falling out of the boat, your boat goes forward. But if, you, if you're nervous, you start trying to sit in the middle of the boat, you go nowhere. Or ultimately you do fall in if it all goes wrong. And in the same way, this is what faith is like. Faith is leaning back and trusting that God will do what only he can do. Knowing that God has the power to know what needs to be done. That God has the wisdom to know when those things need to be done. And that God has the love to know how those things should be done. Power, wisdom and love. That's when you need to lean into God, to trust him, to believe in him. This same good news we carry on there in verse 6. The idea of power, wisdom and love. We trust in God, we lean into him, we have faith in him. Their confident hope. Paul was really impressed by their confident hope. And if we carry on in verse 6, it says these words. This same good news that came to you, is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. Just it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given to you. I love the fact that Paul there is writing and saying this is going out across the whole world. This good news story is going out everywhere. 
Now, Paul had a small idea of what the whole world looked like. And when he wrote these words, he must have had no idea that little did he know that in less than 2,000 years, he truly would be all around the world. That Paul's writings in various forms have been recited on internet sites, on YouTube channels, on TV stations. That his words of good news have been rehearsed and spoken all over the world. Incredible. The same good news of Jesus is still going out all around the world. It's still bearing fruit. It's still changing lives. It's changed your life. It's changed my life. And it's an incredible story that we get to be part of. And years later, after these words were written, we're still remembering, we're still celebrating the truth there. Paul carries on in verse 9, and really this is just part of his introduction. He's saying, um, so we have not stopped praying for you. This is Paul and Timothy. We have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honour and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you'll be strengthened with all his glorious power so you have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Wow, what a prayer. What a prayer. We're going to pray that prayer again at the end of our time together today. But Paul is using his opportunity while he's under house arrest to pray. He's choosing to pray for all the churches that he has helped plant over the years preceding his moment in Rome. He's praying for their knowledge, praying for their wisdom. He's praying for their strength. He's praying, get this, he's praying for their endurance. Um, whoever comes forward at a meeting says, could someone pray for my endurance? I want to continue through the pain. I want to continue through the challenges. Most of us want to get rid of the pain. Could someone pray for me to remove all the problems I'm facing? But Paul's praying for people's endurance. He's praying for they would have joy through their endurance. Please do pray for me that I'll be joyful when I'm having a bad day. Not many people ask for that prayer. And Paul is regularly praying for the people in Colossae, the people in Philippi, the people in Ephesus. All these people, he's praying for them regularly. And he's thanking Father God for all the friends that he's made on his various trips on visits all around the area that he spoke about and toured. I wonder who you are praying for at this moment in time. You may be in a position where you're not able to get out at this moment. And who are you praying for? How are we making the best use, as we talked about before, of every opportunity? Lockdown is an opportunity to unlock our prayer life. Are you starting to pray for people? Who, who are the people you're making note of and speaking out good things over them, praying for their endurance, praying for their strength, praying for joy, praying for wisdom? Who are you praying for right now? How are you praying for acting out of obedience towards and then having faith and trust in that God will do what only he can do? 
So as I said earlier, we'll use those verses a bit later on as a prayer. I want to speak over each one of you watching today. So up until now, this is really is the introduction. This is like the start of Colossians. He, he's, you know, it's from Paul and Timothy. It's an introduction saying this is from us. We're Paul and Timothy. Uh, we've heard good things about you. Uh, we're, we love your confident hope. Um, we are praying for you as this new emerging church and this developing culture. And then he starts the key point of really the whole letter to the church in Colossae in the fact that Christ needs to be number one. The Christ needs to be supreme in our lives. So you go to verse 15 and you'll find it there. And it's almost written like a poem or a hymn, but it says these words. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things that we can see and the things we can't see. He made them all, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else. He holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. That's what Paul is saying right at this point. He is saying Jesus is number one. Jesus is the supreme being over everything. He is the first. And when you get that out of line, everything misaligns. It becomes unhealthy. He holds everything together. In verse 17, it says that Jesus holds creation together. Jesus should be our priority. He's saying to the church there, Jesus is number one. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus should be the one that holds everything together. Jesus has always been there. He's made everything you can see and everything you can't see. He's been there since the beginning of time. He is the visible of the invisible God. What you see in Jesus is what you can't see in your father God. He was visible here on earth. And he's, he's pouring all these ideas out saying, remember, don't get confused by other religions or other ways of doing things or other habits or other systems. Jesus is what it's all about. It's what it's all about. I don't know about you, but when I forget that it's all about Jesus, I can make some pretty poor decisions. I can get caught up in my own understanding or my own ideas and I have to pause to stop and go actually no it's about you Jesus. It's about you. He is the priority of our Christian faith. It's not about what would Jesus do. Remember those wristbands people used to wear the WWJD what would Jesus do. It's more than that it's who is Jesus and how can I become more like him? How can I speak like him? How can I talk like him? How can I engage with people on the fringe of society like Jesus did? How can I live my life the way Jesus did? Not do things, but be more like Jesus. Verse 17 says he holds everything together. He holds your business together. He holds your finances together. He holds your family together. He holds your purpose together. He holds your marriage together. He holds your family together. He holds your emotions 
together. Jesus is the glue that holds things together. You might think, no, I'm not sure he does. Listen, if Jesus made the whole of creation and holds it all together, if Jesus has been here since the beginning of time and will be here until the end of time, I'm sure that he can cope with holding you together and the various aspects that makes your life what it is. Jesus is there at the beginning of the end and he holds all things together. And Jesus, he also goes on to say, is the head of the church. He's the head of the church. Not the church leader. The church is not the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. And as a church leader, I remember this. You know, I'm just an under shepherd. I am responsible to God himself that Jesus is in charge. He is the head. We need to take our place recognizing he is number one, that he is the head. We need to understand that he needs to take the senior place in all of our church communities. Yeah, I believe in leadership. I believe people take responsibility. I believe in clarity and mission and vision and purpose. But if we don't bow the knee to Jesus, then we're starting to create the church in our own image. And when we do that and things get out of line, our churches get out of line, our, our leaders start to think too much of themselves and we have a car crash waiting to happen. It causes damage. And sadly, it so often has caused damage when people have taken the eye off the ball, or more importantly, their eye off Jesus, and said, actually, I think I can do this by myself. We need Jesus. Matthew 6 says, we should seek first the kingdom of heaven. And all these things, all of the righteousness and all these other things, they'll all be added to us. When we start looking at the things rather than Jesus, that's when it goes wrong. It starts with Jesus. We must get our priorities straight. All right, we'll carry on then in verse 19. Here we go. Verse 19, we're going to try and keep cracking on through. It says these words, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you, and me, who were once away from God, you were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't Drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. There's a whole load of stuff we can unpack there. This is why Jesus is supreme, why Jesus is number one. This is why Jesus is the head of the church. This is why Jesus should be held in the highest regard. This is why it comes to different faiths and different religions. The Christian faith is different because we believe that Jesus was the son of God, that he lived and died, he took our place. He gave up his life for us. How many other gods of religions did that? Most other gods demand that mankind bow to them. But Jesus came and humbled himself. He humbled himself. He, he gave up the pleasures of heaven and came to earth to live with us, to live as an example. He gave up his possible way of living for each one of us. And even though we were separated from sin, the evil thoughts and actions that's talked about there, yet he brings us into his presence 
and sees you and I as holy and blameless without fault. That's amazing. That's amazing that we don't deserve God's love, his wisdom, his power. We don't deserve his, even his friendship, his engagement, his connection with us. We don't deserve those things. But the tr- truth is, he did it anyway. He said, I'm going to come down and make a difference. I'm going to, I'm going to come onto the earth. I'm going to walk alongside you, show how it is done. And I'm going to, and here's the bit I, I struggle with because I'm going, really? He sees us as blameless. He doesn't look at us and go, I've got the whole list of all the things you've done wrong. I've got so many things that you've made mistakes, the thoughts you've done, the evil actions you've made. He, he sees us as blameless. He sees us as pure. When we enter the presence of God, we enter freely and he welcomes us in and he is pleased to see us. He's not looking at us going, really, you probably could have done better. That is such an amazing story. That is the good news story. That is the story of Christianity. That's the story of Jesus and what he holds out to every single person. It's good news. And, and Paul here in this book of Colossians, he's reminding the church there. He's saying, remember, Jesus is the reason why you do all this stuff. Your confident hope is in Jesus. The reason you're leaning into God, you've got that understanding of who God is. The reason you, you have a faith in God is because of Jesus. The reason I've been praying for you is through the power of Jesus. And Jesus is so central to all that we are as followers of God. It's good news. And he's saying, stand firm, don't drift, don't get sucked in to what other people might be trying to manipulate you into. Stay focused. Keep Jesus at the centre and he will hold everything together for you. And the same is true for you and I today. Keep Jesus at the centre. We're finishing up from verse 24. Paul finishes off this first chapter, says these words. I'm glad, he says, when I suffer for you in my body, For I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving the church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it's been revealed to God's people. For God wants them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. You ready? Christ lives in you. This gives you the insurance of sharing his glory. This is what it's all about. Christ lives in you. Paul there is suffering and he is struggling. But I don't mind because I'd rather struggle and suffer on your behalf. Because I know that there's a secret to be shared. It's been hidden for centuries. It's hidden for generations. But there's a secret. Christ lives in you and lives in me. That's the truth. Jesus is number one because of what he's done for us. He didn't stop there, but he sent his Holy Spirit to fully envelop who we are. That when we walk around this earth, we are manifesting the glory of God. We're manifesting who he is. We're manifesting his excellence. When God made you and I, he was showing off and going, look what I have created. We are his children. We are his sons and daughters. We carry the same bloodline because we are children of the cross. We are followers of Jesus. And Satan tries to manipulate us and deceive us. Deceiving means, you know, when we believe that something is not true. And he twists our words and twists our thoughts. But we need to be confident to not drift, to stand firm 
and to be assured, to be confident in this glorious hope and to say it's Christ that lives in us. The hope of glory, the hope of this great future lives inside each one of us. The same power that conquered the grave lives in you, lives in me. This is a great story. Each one of us, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, you should be walking a little bit taller. You should be walking a little bit taller and going, you know, I am a child of the King of Kings. My father made everything in heaven and on earth and his spirit lives inside of me. We are his image bearers here on earth. Wow. We carry the same reflection of Jesus Christ here on earth. We are the secret is Christ lives in us. And then he finishes by saying, because of this, verse 28, because of this, we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom that God has given us. We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Paul's up for working hard because there's a story to be told. I wonder how hard you and I are working on sharing this message of good news. Jesus came and gave it all for you and for me. He lives inside of us. We reflect him in the way that we do our lives every single day. And there's a challenge to us. Are we sharing? Are we telling? Are we, uh, are we passing on from one generation to the next what God has done? We carry this presence of God with us. Why would we not work hard at letting others know the truth of this message that's been kept secret for generations to generations, it says in verse 26. It's been revealed to God's people and we have the responsibility, even if it causes suffering. And let's be honest, here in, in Northern Europe, here in, in England, we don't face anywhere near the level of suffering that some people do because of their faith. We are responsible to share our message regardless of what it costs us and that my friends is a privilege it's a privilege to do well we're going to start wrapping up our session today but let me ask the question I ask every week what can we learn from this it's important we don't just read scripture we pause and we go what is there we can take from this passage what can we learn from the start of the book of Colossians that will help us flourish in isolation that Here's a thought for you. Our attention needs to remain focused on Jesus. If you're ever unsure of what the right thing to do, give your attention to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you lead me? Would you direct me? When we're focused by the world and what it offers to us, we can get ourselves distracted, deceived, manipulated. But we focus on Jesus. That's where our attention needs to remain. Three things for you today to consider. Number one, lean into Jesus. Lean into him. Lean into him. Lean into his power that helps you understand what needs to be done. Lean into his wisdom that helps you know when things need to be done. Lean into his love and his goodness to know how we should do those things. Jesus holds everything together. That's the second thing. Number one, lean into Jesus. Number two, Jesus holds everything together. He makes sense of the world that we're in. Whatever you might be facing right now, Jesus makes sense. He holds everything together. And thirdly, Jesus 
Christ lives in you. He lives in me. He lives in us. We carry the same power that conquered the grave. We have the hope of glory inside of each one of us. And let's walk taller, believing that to be true. Wonderful. Let me pray this final prayer over us today. This prayer is from verses 9 to 11. I want to to almost rewrite, I've rewritten this prayer to speak over each one of you listening and watching right now to ask these words. Just receive them wherever you are, whether you want to hold your hands out, whether you want to put your hand over your heart, whatever works for you. We just want to pray um, over this screen to whatever device you're watching on to know these words to be true. So Lord, I pray, dear God, that you would give complete knowledge of your will to those watching. I pray that you would give your spiritual wisdom and your understanding. Would you help in the way that lives are being lived, that they would honour you and please you, God, by the decisions that are being made. Lord, I pray for all those lives of people who are watching and the families and the homes represented, that they would produce every single kind of good fruit. I pray you would grow as you learn to know God better and better. I pray that you'd be strengthened with all of his glorious power. I pray that you would have endurance and patience, all that you would need, bucketfuls of patience. And I pray you'd be filled with joy. That when people see you, smiles would erupt because you're full of the joy of the Lord. May you also live a thankful life reflecting our heavenly father who we serve in these days amen amen wonderful thank you so much for joining us i'll see you next time for more information about freedom church please go to www.freedomchurch.uk thank you for listening